Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, episode number 39. I tried to like, there's no hand gesture for nine. I guess in sign language it's like, uh, you can do it in one hand, I still know how. I was yeah. trying to do like a 39 but one-handed, but it doesn't really it. work. Fail. Failure. Sorry. Sorry. But yeah, as, as usual, uh, this is Joe, and we've got... It's Nick. We don't have no, any LC. But it also might help if I introduce the podcast. This is Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. Yeah, it is. We're one host short. <laughs> I don't know. She's definitely the shortest of the three hosts. So. Exactly. She decided One to short host. Yeah. <laughs> but we got no LC tonight, so it's just the bros. Too bad it's not a Saturday. And that means nothing's off limits. <laughs> Woo. Maybe Risque. <laughs> some limits. Oh, man. Podcast yeah. after dark. Yes. But how's it feel to be back? Yeah, good. It's been busy. Uh, just got back from a little Minneapolis trip that included a brief stay in Wausau, Wisconsin. Ooh. So didn't go to Large Apples. <laughs> just the mini version. Yeah, just the the smallest apple. <laughs> Apples. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, Jen and I went up and we flew into Minneapolis. Hung around there briefly before going immediately to Wausau for a wedding. Got to have a couple brews there while we were in town. Then uh, turned around, went back to Minneapolis, and had some more brews there. Went to Rochester for a bit. Uh, there's a place called Tap House there in Rochester. Mm. They have 100 taps Ooh. at any given point at a just a bar grill. It was amazing. Oh, really? And it was from all over. It wasn't just like Minnesota beers. There were like Montana. There was a Montana beer I told you about. Mm. Uh some Iowa beers. I actually had checked in Pseudo Sioux from Toppling Goliath for the first time, oh. which is sort of like a sin for being from Iowa and had never <laughs> checked that in. It's like the the cream of the crop for Iowa beers. Actually, I mean, I think it's pretty well-renowned even nationally. If not the Midwest alone, it's pretty yeah, pretty high up there for IPAs. Nice. But uh, yeah, so that was fun. And then uh, hung out with some friends, met some new friends, saw some cute dogs. Nice. Uh, the weather was great. Went to the state fair, which is a. Ooh. I've been Always to the North Carolina state fair, the state fair here in North Carolina, but the Minneapolis state fair or the Minnesota state fair rather, uh, that's quite the ordeal. It's, I mean, it, it takes up, I don't know, like a, like a ten by ten block. Really? Almost. I don't. Know, it just feels enormous when you're in there. There's like maps to guide you through. Oh jeez. The streets are just flooded from curb to curb, but they. Uh, they might be the biggest in the United States, actually. Really? Yeah. And a lot of the buildings I found out were like permanent structures throughout the year. So oh, geez. <laughs> even after the state fair is over, the, the buildings don't move. Like there's a... They just leave them there. Yeah, like a designated <laughs> like police and like first aid building that's always there. Just for the state fair? Or are they still like there all the time? Um, I think they use some of the stuff. I mean, it's re- repurposed throughout the year. But uh, what's interesting is, yeah, it's not just a bunch of stuff that's, you know, put up and then torn down after the fair is over. It's just a lot of permanent fixtures. And actually, like, one of the vendors there that's really famous is this Sweet Martha's Cookies. Hmm. They literally just make chocolate chip cookies, and they give it to you by the cone. I'm pretty sure that I've bucket. seen that, yeah, like, on, like, documentary yeah. stuff or something like that. Random YouTube videos or things, but... Yeah, it's like four dozen cookies in a, in a bucket. And then the, the neat thing is that apparently that's all they do. It's just, just a state cook. fair. <laughs> and then the rest of the year, they're off. Like, they don't make cookies... 
I mean, I'll have to fact check that, but they, they make enough money during this, the two weeks of the state fair that they don't have to work the rest of the year. That's crazy. Yeah. That's ins- you must sell a ton of cookies. Oh, yeah. And it's like 19 bucks for a bucket of cookies, and it's about 40 to 50 cookies in a bucket. That's not bad. It's not bad. 50 cents per cookie? Yeah, and a free bucket. Yeah, and a free bucket. What do you, what else? I mean, yeah. I love buckets. <laughs> yeah, then we ran it out with a nice little uh, beer festival that was in St. Paul. It was on a at a park that was along the water. Really good views there, so really enjoyed that trip. And Brilliant. Now I just got to get back to Reality. catching up on life, getting back into the swing of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I just got back from a trip. Me and LC went out to Montana, did a little bit of camping. Most of the time we were camping, but we still got out to breweries as we drove through towns. Yeah. So got to quite a few places. Uh, ended our trip in Bozeman and did a real uh, real brew tour the last day. Really <laughs> just hit up day. a lot of places. Yeah. yeah. It was great. One of my favorite places out there was uh, Shred Monk, which hmm. was it's a relatively newer place. It's a coffee and beer place. Uh, but they're... It was kind of neat. We kind we started there, and their like mission is like low alcohol beers, really, uh, that are still like packed with flavor. So first thing I got was a grisette. Like you don't oh, see yeah. grisettes on the the menu very often. Definitely a little more. And rare. then I saw a beer walking by with a real foamy, pillowy head, and I'm like, do they have slow pour pills here? And they did. So nice. I got got a slow pour pills. Uh, great. Definitely took you know took like five six minutes for them to pour. Uh, maybe even longer, but it was good. I ordered it like right there. The lady came by. I was like, is that a slow pour Pilsner? <laughs> what? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. She's like, I can start it for you right now since your beer is almost done. But they did that. Then we got some like, uh, they had like bread there. It was like uh, spent grain bread or something, but it was so good. And you're just like, this is just bread. How is it so good? But Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've been to restaurants and it's just like the bread is sometimes better than the entree. <laughs> yeah, like, but, uh, damn. But yeah, gotta yeah. gotta check out some other ones. Bozeman Brewing Company, uh, Walking Mountain. Got to go to a uh, bunch of places. Went to Missoula, Draftworks Brewing there. But just a lot of uh, cool places. Sundrift Brewing. The weird thing is though, like Montana beer laws, they're only open till eight p.m. Is that all breweries? breweries? All breweries, yeah. Unless they bars? have a special like license, yeah, like a bar oh, okay. license or something. But all breweries like eight p.m. And you can only get 48 ounces per person per day at wow. that brewery. So, like, you can't okay. sit there and drink all day. Like, you can have three pints, and then that's it. But And then go outside and come back in with a hat. And <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I am. You get the, I'm a the thirsty traveler passing through. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been here before. Interesting. It, yeah, it lends itself to a, a day brewery trip and then leaving. But it's cool. We got some national parks, saw some bears. Really? Like black bears? Or? Yeah, some black cool. bears. Pretty pretty close. Maybe like 25, 30 feet away max. <laughs> maybe a little but, close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little close, you know. But uh, it was a good trip. Got some good beer. But now we're back. We're back in G, G Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, no, you mentioned the like the beer laws. That's something that's always kind of interesting when you're traveling and you kind of learn about the, the lay of the land. Part of that is, you know, being beer Advocate, uh, beer enthusiasts, it's like you always notice those little things. I know in Min- in Minnesota, it seemed like they don't even sell beer in like a grocery store. You have oh, to go okay. to a separate like liquor store. Basically, li- wine, beer, spirits, anything is all in one type of store. Uh, so you go into your gas station, your ho- grocery store. I don't think you're going to find any you can't beer find even. Yeah, not even like light beer. Which you know, I got used to North Carolina having 
liquor separate, but mm-hmm. you can get beer and wine at the grocery store or the gas station, which is, you know, kind of convenient. Yeah. And then when I, yeah, cause I'm from New York and you know, you could buy beer at the grocery store, but you couldn't buy wine. You could only buy like wine product, which is like <laughs> wine product. beer disguised as wine, <laughs> but you had to go to a liquor store to get wine uh, if you wanted. But, uh, but yeah, but places like Pennsylvania, like you have to buy beer from a, like a bar or like a special like distributor place. It's very interesting how each state has such radically different laws or I'm glad we don't have like a ABV cap law anymore though in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It sounds like, you know, we, we, we're in a pretty good time for, for liquor and alcohol laws could be, could be worse. Okay. It has been worse here. So yeah, yeah, exactly. We came in a good time, or or more, uh, I guess, difficult to acquire some of that stuff. So exactly, can't complain. Speaking of beer, what you got in front of you there? Well, you should know. I got it from your fridge. <laughs> uh, this is from Wise Man Brewing. This is called Mountain Calling. It's an IPA. It's six point six percent, eighty two IBUs. So mm, one bitter boy. Bitter boy. Um, Wiseman's from North Carolina. Where in North Carolina is it? It is in Winston-Salem. Ooh, okay. So a little bit past the, the East Carolina range, but, uh, you know, it's kind of central, I guess. That is in West Carolina. Yeah. Central. Seas <laughs> Carolina. Seas. Yeah, this isn't. not going to make that work. That Let's didn't crack work. this beer, though. Oh, yeah. A I like soft. I like the green and you know green, silver, and black uh, theme they got on the can there. Oh yeah, the aesthetics is top notch on this can. Wise man brewing. Ooh, that's some crispy pour. Yeah, really nice pillowy head on this bad boy. Let me grab your glass, sir. Oh yeah, we're at the opposite ends of this long table. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, Throw me the beer. <laughs> the scene in. The Tim Burton Batman movie when Bruce Wayne's having dinner with I forget her name the the, the girl he's dating and they're at the very end of this like twenty <laughs> five foot long table and he's like screaming like how's the soup <laughs> how's the soup just pick up a phone oh, hello uh, let me get this to you yeah these this long table <laughs> this table oh well, thank you sir. All right. So first impressions, uh, got definitely got a pillowy head. Pretty persistent. It's not a quick fader. It's still staying there. Uh, it's a darker color than I was anticipating. It's like a butterscotch. Oh yeah, it's really rich looking. It's butterscotch is really spot on. It's got that almost that kind of sheen to it as well. It's I don't want to say it's like hazy. dull. It actually has a bit of uh, a sheen despite being slightly hazy. If that makes any sense. Even the 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 head has a little bit of that coloring in it too. It's not just a pure white head. Yeah. It almost looks like it'd be like creamy. It does. It does kind of look like that. If you hold it up to the light, it's like glowing on the sides. Yeah. yeah. See. Yeah, definitely some strong hop character on the nose and leaning towards some like floral piney bitter hop. Yeah, definitely. It's little got a little of, bit of malt to back it up though. Mm, yeah, I always like that when you have a a bitter beer. It's got a lot of like bittering hops in it. Then you have some malt to kind of balance that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So eighty two IBUs. So I'm expecting pretty bitter, but tasting it, not a lot of. It's not very like 
high perceived bitterness. No, I mean, not for that. Uh, the, eight, the 82, I think, kind of... Maybe I shouldn't have looked at that. I would have been anticipating a anything. Bit. But, uh, but still, it's always interesting to see the interplay of, like, how it is versus, oh, yeah. like, you know, like, what it says it is versus how it tastes. And it just shows how balance can work. Yeah, really good balance here. And actually, there is a bit of, like, an under lying note of some kind of fruit. I don't know if it's like uh, some stone fruit maybe. Just enough sweetness to kind of help go with that malt bill and sort of counterattack those, mm-hmm. those bitter hops. Yeah. This has 3.88 bottle caps out of uh, five on untapped mm. 7,000 check-ins. That's a pretty good average. Uh, not, people aren't really saying a lot about it. They're just checking it in and... and uh, you know, giving it some love. I'm just seeing tons of fours on here. Somebody, 2.5, very average and boring. Almost light for the style of beer. Wow. Which I don't think I'd say light at all. No, it's not. It's pretty full flavored. Double IPA, single IPA. With the bitterness, I would assume double, but. It just says IPA, so. All right. Yeah, just a single IPA. Now, I will say. I don't know that I've had anything else from uh, Wiseman before. I think I was confusing it with like Wise Acre Brewing, yeah. which is its own thing. That's what I, yeah, first one I saw. It. Yeah, this Winston-Salem, <laughs> I mean, they've got, you know, they're, they're not too far from us. We haven't really ventured a ton out that way as far uh-huh. as hitting us some breweries, but driven through it, so maybe sometime on the way to Asheville, Asheville maybe stop through there and check out what Winston-Salem's got to offer. This lady wrote, when you're Will, uh, wait, when you're willing Will Zalatoris to his first PGA win, this is what you drink. Congrats on that win, Will. Go Deeks. <laughs> Thanks was, for that review of that beer, Don. <laughs> Thanks for that alliteration. <laughs> when you will, Will. I will, Will, Will. Yeah. Will you, Will, Will? <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely a solid beer. Oh, yeah. Pretty smooth drinker, I mean. Not bad, not bad at all. Not polarizing. I could see that one person said it was boring, but I think that's just because it's balanced and easy to drink. It's not like it doesn't slap you in the face with anything. You know, it's yeah. just an it's just a good beer. Yeah, really palatable. I, I think it's very drinkable too for being kind of more bitter leaning. Uh, but like you said, it's not like a a punch of bitterness despite the higher mm-hmm. a- IBUs on it. Yeah, maybe if they had put more Krispy Kreme donuts in it. Mm. and uh, maybe some boxes of nerds ropes, then they would like it. <laughs> more adjuncts. We need more adjuncts. Yeah. I need the adjuncts. So, yeah, solid beer from Wiseman Brewing in Winston-Salem. Yeah. Mountain Calling IPA. And, quote John Muir, the mountains are calling and I must go. I must go. You guys just answered the call for that, Ooh. I guess. Yeah, yeah, we did. Montana, the- which, of course, is Latin for... Joe Mon- Montana. Joe Montana. <laughs> <laughs> it was named after Joe Montana, famous quarterback. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that that state didn't exist uh, until then. Until. Until Joe Montana. He achieved fame. Uh, but you know what else is is weird? Uh, you know, with the, the like, soaring popularity of the little kid who loves corn, 
in that video and all this, the corn song and all that stuff. Oh yeah. I didn't realize it was made by the same people that made like all those like auto tune songs, like the double rainbow, the hide your kids, hide your wife. Charlie bit me. Yeah. Charlie bit me like all the classic auto tune songs. Apparently they had the monopoly on auto tuning songs of viral videos. I guess. Yeah. I didn't know there was one company doing that. Yes. Or one person or, Entity. Yeah. But their most popular song, Hide Your Kids, Hide Your Wife, uh, Run and Tell That. Actually, that man, all these years later, has just released a beer with a collab with a brewery in Huntsville, Alabama. And the beer is called Run and Tell That. Run and Tell. It's an American lager. <laughs> uh, I had no idea that was happening. You know, I just find it very funny because how... I just... I just don't know, like, <laughs> this. So it's so long ago that that yeah. happened. And it's such an interesting collaboration. I don't know. Somebody that was like a viral internet star from that one video. I still don't know if that was like a a candid interview, if that was kind of like a scripted thing. I yeah, don't I don't know. It almost just seems too funny to have been off the, off the cuff. Yeah, Antoine Dodson. Uh, you know, 2010. They're climbing in your windows, snatching your people up. <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife. And ladies, hide your husbands too. Hide your husbands too. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was a very interesting thing. But here we are, 12 years later, straight to ale brewer, brewing company in Huntsville, Alabama, releasing uh, this lovely mm. beer. You know, I guess... It's not that weird when you think about it because we have those like wrap snacks and it's like Cardi B spicy potato straws or something, whatever they are. And then it's, there's another wrapper that has a flavor of potato chip. I mean, what's, I just don't, I mean, it's marketing, I guess it's like endorsement and they're probably making good money off of it, but. It's really funny though. It's just like the first time I saw those rap snacks, I was like, "Is this real?" Or did somebody just like come in for a prank video and just place these here? But then I'm like, "Why the hell do I need Migos flavored chips?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like the me. I don't understand Migos pretzels. Yeah, this oh man, yeah, very well, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's we live in a world where I think it's you put any kind of likeness to a product and it sells i mean i just saw like coca-cola tic tacs the other day what what kind of collaboration is that actually tic tacs um i had some actually uh jen's mom had some i think were they minty or were they just coca-cola e it's it really is just like cola there's not really any mint quality to it so i mean i guess tic tac has some non-mint flavors they've got some like fruit tic tacs yeah you know I haven't had in a while is the orange Tic Tacs. Oh, yeah. Those actually are pretty good. Very interesting. Pop a bunch of those. Yeah. <laughs> Popping Tic Tacs. Popping Tic Tacs. All right. You've had too many Tic Tacs, sir. Calm down on the Tic Tacs, my friend. Just eating them like they're candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Wait, what? <laughs> it does look like you're taking pills, though. Yeah. Maybe that was the allure. It was like, yeah, I'm popping pillies. But anyway, hide your kids, hide your wife. There's a new beer out there. So yeah, don't uh, they drinking everybody out there? <laughs> Run tight. Hide your husbands too. <laughs> hide your IPAs. Hide your stouts. And hide your lagers too, because they're brewing everything out here. <laughs> Maybe that's what's next. Who knows? Yeah, that's perfect. Charlie drank me. Charlie. 
double IPA all the way across the sky. <laughs> double IPA all the way. <laughs> that actually writes itself. That's brilliant. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, damn. Uh, Lauren saw that video for the first time when we were on our trip. That's right. Because she, we saw a double rainbow, and I was like quoting it, and she was like, "I don't. What are you saying?" So I had to show her the video. Still holds up been. to this day. Yeah. We almost saw a complete double rainbow. There was a double, but only one of them was all the way across. The other one was kind of mm. halfway obscured. Not strong enough. It's got to be all the way across, both yeah. of them. All the way across the sky. Oh, what does so that mean? Intense. <laughs> it's so intense. What does it mean? What does this mean? Oh, man, that was the golden age of the internet. Oh, man. Or yeah. YouTube, even. It, it really was. Now we're just in the uh, age of shortages. Oh, shortages. Everything is sh- missing or short or used up. You're all used You're all up. Used up, me boy. Me boy. <laughs> <laughs> Any meat canyon fans? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you if you do, you probably know yeah. exactly what we're talking about. But but well, yeah, this beer here is not short on CO two, but the U S at large is. Yeah, and you may remember a couple episodes ago we were talking about the uh, barley shortage and the potential malt shortage going on to. Uh, Wars in Europe and just an unusually hot summer uh, and grain season, just a variety of other factors. But now CO2 is affected. Carbon dioxide, that free gas that yeast put off themselves that yeah. we then dr- let fly away and then force back into the beer. That's what was so shocking to me when I stumbled upon you know, the, the news articles about the CO2 shortage it's like, isn't this something we can easily synthesize or and, and Just, produce? But yeah. um, I guess it was contaminated at a, a major plant, I think, in the Northeast. Yeah, so, I saw in Mississippi somewhere that yeah. that said that there was uh, contamination because they were trying to expand their wells and then also like push for uh, gas and oil, and then it can contaminated with like benzenes and other. Uh, compounds that are difficult for most co2 manufacturers to filter out or you know remove through some complex chemical processes so next time you you if you're a home brewer and you go to get your co2 tank filled hopefully they say yes yeah yeah they may be prioritizing some production breweries and things like that or businesses in the food industry over somebody that's just wanting to pick up a well, just so much stuff uses CO2. Tank. I mean, yeah. soda, like all soda mm-hmm. found things do, and then dry ice. It's just solid CO2, basically. So tons of commercial uses. And I thought it interesting, too, because they said not just like pandemic-related uh, labor shortages and you know interruptions in shipping lines and things, but also the fact that there was an uptick in like home meal delivery services which use co2 or like dry wow. ice to keep their products right. cold when they ship huh. it so it's like all of these things combined are, are creating this shortage oh yeah i mean at, at my job there's a lot of items that get shipped via dry ice because it's like live Specimens. animals or yeah. yeah or cultures things like that um i was even surprised at some of the businesses like in the food industry like tyson and it's a article from a, a new station khou uh they were talking about you know like tyson and oscar meyer and these meat packing plants they're being limited on their production as well just because of the the use for the co2 gas um i think it kind of goes into again with the kind of like freeze drying and stuff like that and like the 
dry ice stuff. It's it goes beyond just what you think. Like oh, it's CO two. It's like carbonation. It's carbon dioxide. It's actually in a it's a multi industrial product, I guess. And it's now at a, a point where it's like where do you prioritize? You know, if you're yeah. a producer of this, who are you prioritizing it getting to? And I'm sure like some of the big corporations, they're first in line. They they have all the money. So oh yeah, some small craft breweries are definitely suffering as a Fighting consequence. Fighting for it. Yeah, it, oh. it's wild. Uh, one one thing I found funny when looking at this, apparently one of the big companies in the CO2 game is called Advanced Cryogenics. And I was like, cryogenics. wow, that does not sound like they just make like dry ice and CO2. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like they're going to like uh, start the, you know, uh, we're going to do uh, human hibernation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're going to do experiments like Mr. Freeze trying to save his wife. And then they're going to create cryogenic science. Cybernetic organisms that are going to take over the world. <laughs> we'll start wearing cold suits and we'll live forever. Actually, that'd be interesting. Like if you were able to wear like a cryogenic suit that like prolonged life or actually even just like the cryogenic technology is where we actually do kind of like if we could free, free somebody long enough to like find a cure for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was something I was reading in a book. Uh, <laughs> It's called the. It was the Dark Forest, and it's like the Three Body Problem series by a Chinese author, Cixin Lu, or I don't know if I, I probably butchered that, but it's kind of a book about like alien stuff because I'm a nerd. But they talked about like that and the concept of like rich people like hibernating themselves long enough into the future until they yeah. could be cured like that. Like one of the guys had like uh, lung cancer, so he yeah. just like woke up 200 years later and was cured and fine. Oh, and then that one movie, which I think was pretty awful, with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Passengers. Oh. They're like a colony or civilization of people. Yeah, they're on like they're a, on ship. a ship. And yeah. I think they're all kind of in these like cryopods, and they're traveling to find like another planet or somewhere to, uh, to inhabit. And it's like basically everyone in there is going to be cryogenically frozen and asleep until they reach their destination, which could be you know, hundreds of thousands of years, except like two of the people actually the pods <laughs> open inexplicably. And then, well, one of them does. Yeah. And the other guy like lets the girl out. Cause he's like, I'm lonely. Here's a hot chick. I'm going to get her out. Yeah. Of here. Yeah. <laughs> I've like read reviews, people like trashing that movie. And they're yeah. like, the dude was such an idiot. Like what a yeah. tool. He just what like, let her out. Yeah. The girl's going to die now because like she's outside of her pod. Yeah. And like, they're going to age like normal people instead of yeah. her being safe. And then there was like one spare pod and, she like chose not to like go into it because she wanted to like stay with him because they fell in love and I'm like, oh, right. this guy like ruined your life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But I love him. But he's he's the only man around. <laughs> he's the hottest guy in the ship <laughs> that can that, breathe. That can breathe. Uh, yeah, we actually just rewatched. Um, well, I actually don't know if I ever watched it to begin with about Prometheus that oh. movie from 2012. How was that movie? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I at first I guess I didn't realize it was part of the Alien franchise. Uh, Oh, is it really? Yeah, part of it's that? like kind of a prequel-y a kind of a thing. I didn't realize it was either, but they do, they like hibernate in their ship too. Uh, pretty crazy movie though. Still holds up. It was from 2012, but I was like, this still looks like it could be a movie yeah. that was like not that long ago. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess yeah, kind of going back to the actually, <laughs> a little bit of a tangent there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, an article from the Washington Post where they kind of go more specifically into the craft brewing industry and, and the shortage of CO2. Um, and there's a, a, brewery, a brewery called Aleworks Brewing Company, and they had to shut down 
uh, last year for about a week because of the limited supply of that. Uh, the supply of the CO2 was limited, so they are shut down, suspended. There's another one this year. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I mean, it's it's causing places to suspend operations for weeks or months at a time or indefinitely, and that's causing people to lose their jobs as well. So I mean, it's uh, like a big production facility that relies heavily on being able to carbonate their beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the only thing you do. It's uh, it's a big slap in the face when <laughs> the the main product you're seeking is just limited, and, and especially if you're if you're battling other people in your industry and then larger corporations and other food industries. I mean, it's, it seems like it would be a, an uphill battle. Oh, yeah. It's very interesting, like, looking at this topic, too, and, like, seeing how the, the interplay between things, because it's, it talks about how uh, ammonia production, like, and ammonia plants are one of the largest producers of CO2 as a byproduct of their ammonia production thing and, like, using an, an animal feed and fertilizer. Basically just talks about how they shut down kind of, like, an, in a seasonal thing. So there's seasonal shortages, but on top of the existing shortage with that, there's just a ton uh of contributing factors so hopefully it's not something that we see too widespread but could be yeah i'm hoping it's just something where you know there's a backlog right now of orders and as soon as production can ramp back up and that facility that got contaminated can kind of resume normal operation then things will kind of slowly return to to normal normal. yeah it doesn't seem like it's something that's you know a long-term threat or an issue it's just it immediately impacts a lot of businesses and plant closures uh, and things yeah just so hopefully yeah. it's all just temporary yeah but say you're a you're a home brewer and yeah you, you want to carbonate your beer but you, you say you you live in an affected area and you cannot get any co2 you know what are your options out there so i mean if you're yeah. i mean when you're using co2 as a home brewer you're likely kegging your beer and i mean there's other ways i feel like that's everybody moves away from that but bottling your beer good old bottling yeah, that was, uh, you know, your intro and my intro to the carbonation part of homebrewing when you first got your kit, doing the bottle conditioning, mm-hmm. a little sugar starter in the bottle with the, the wort, and then you're uh, just letting time and the process of that yeast to create its own carbonation. Yeah, which natural carbonation. It's, it's uh, You know, that's what's so funny. Again, it's it's funny that we're like, oh, we're, we're the shortage of CO2 and it's something that's produced naturally. And it's like, how does that happen? Then again, there's so many natural resources that are finite. So, Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, bottling was one of the first things that came to mind when I was like, how are we going to get over this hurdle for the time being? Granted, that's not going to really work very well for like a production brewery oh, that no. cans everything because you can't really do that with a can. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. There you Still go. Bottle. Well, there's cans, but the, some of the bottle conditioned uh, varieties. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, I guess they can do large scale, but it's tough too. I mean, yeah, on the production side, your you know your model is usually venting that CO two. How many times have you gone to a brewery where you've uh, seen a big bucket of sanitizer and a big hose yeah. off the fermenter and doing that? But I guess you can also do pressurized fermentations as well. But basically keeping some of that in and using like a spunding valve, which releases the pressure just to a certain PSI. Think of it kind of like a pressure cooker, maintaining a certain pressure, but then venting off the excess. Yeah. And that's something that's really important is, you know, wanting to have that particular level of carbonation, which you can't control as easily with other methods like bottle conditioning. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was reading something on this article from brewlosophy.com 
this uh, kind of accelerated measure of carbonating, which again, it does use uh, the CO2, but doing a crank and shake method is what they call it. Oh uh, yeah. Crank and shake. So it's, you're adding CO2 and then you're kind of violently turning over the keg and getting this to build up and create a lot more pressure. But again, it's harder to measure when you've reached like your desired PSI. Uh, so you might have an over carbonated beer and then it's just, Oh yeah. And then you vent it, everywhere. but then you're just wasting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're pouring off all these, you're, you're pulling from your tap and it's just all foam and it's just sitting there and it takes forever. And then it's really flat by the end of it. Cause it takes so long for that CO2 to release. And then you're left with just this like, yeah, kind of bland flat beer, which happens a lot, but, but yeah. And then like, that's another consequence you don't think about. It's like, okay, foamy beer, but then also CO2 is used for serving <laughs> for draft lines, you know? So yeah. you do a, basically that's what's creating your pressure to get it out of the keg is that CO2 and that's what's maintaining that carbonation because you, you have to maintain that constant level because otherwise you're going to, the beer will go flat in the keg itself. But Yeah, um, I also thought about, it's again, something that's not really going to be pertinent for a lot of different beers and production facilities, but uh, if you're short on co2 i'm like well, why don't they just do more nitro beers oh yeah there you go nitro everything smaller <laughs> ratio of co2 and just add in some more nitrogen but um you know again that comes with its own challenges and, and again again you're not really trying to make a nitro beer out of most beers i think there's sort of like a you know like a nitro fruited sour oh god yeah nitro I think, double ipa <laughs> i don't think i've had anything nitro that wasn't either like a blondale a porter or a stout. I'm curious. I'm very curious what a nitro IPA would taste like. I wonder if it would be gross because you like need that kind of cutting carbonation to help with some of the flavor if it's really heavy. Yeah. But it'd be very interesting to try. Yeah, I mean it's um it's an interesting mouthfeel too. It I, I think it kind of lends itself better to some of those like roasty kind of darker malt beers in yeah. my opinion just because it ends up with you creamy. know yeah it gives you that, that creaminess to it um although places like left hand brewing in colorado they do a nitro for a lot of different styles mm-hmm. they've got a couple sours actually like their flamingo dreams i think yeah. about that like uh it's like pink and it's like a raspberry wheat ale or something yeah. like that or maybe a blonde ale um they also have a like a it's a blonde stout Oh yeah, that one's that really good. White yeah. Russian nitro. Mm-hmm. So they've really experimented with nitro, but you know, again, it's definitely not a mouthfeel that appeals to everybody too, and also the process of you know canning with nitro is totally different. You've got to have certain mechanisms in place to. Oh well, yeah, you got to have the widget. Yeah. Pop it open. <laughs> yeah, those are cool. Just a little plastic ball thing that releases it when you crack it open, but. Yeah. So there's like, you know, some like actual other, you know, other kinds of gases you can use is also a lot more natural carbonation that you can, you can dive into like the, you know, the sugar starter with the natural carbonation from the yeast. Um, you see the rise of Cascale. Yeah. I'm actually excited. I was thinking about that. Cascale. <laughs> Cause, uh, I know Ben at local Oaks doing another cask. Oh he told yeah. Us about, uh, Meritson. Yeah. Like a light Meritson and a cask. I think That'll it's going to be, be really nice. nice. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I got some lighter hosen today. Did you? Yeah, nice. I got some shorts. Some oh yeah, because you're uh, preparing for not only our local Oktoberfest but the real Oktoberfest. Real, going to Germany 
Guten Tag. Yeah. Wir well, trinken das Bier. A fun recap of that whenever you get back from there. Yeah, that'll be great. Looking forward to that one for sure. Yeah, yeah cask conditioning is really interesting for... Because uh, it's kind of a similar method, as I understand it, to kind of like doing a bottle conditioning. Um, different vessel, of course. So but a bigger scale. Yeah. yeah. Little, it was interesting. They did the Cascale last year that was uh, in com- in uh, collab with our local homebrew club down East Aylers. But they did that combo. Was that a Mertzen as well? Or was it a... I, was the, I feel like it was either a, a Kolsch or a Fesbier. Oh, was it a Kolsch? It might have been a Kolsch. I thought he was doing a Kolsch again this year, but he said he, they're going to do a Mertzen. Yeah. Um, That'll be cool. I'm ready for that. That'll be delicious. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you've got just so many different ways you can naturally carbonate that I think we kind of steer away from when you have convenience of, you know, just CO2 it and forced CO2. carbonation, um, nitrogen. But, you know, now when you have, you're faced with sort of a crisis, it's like, oh, now it's time to think outside the box. If you can, I guess a home brewer, it's a lot more adaptable. Small scales, easier, yeah. So... But I've seen, I mean, yeah, and, like, it's interesting because as a homebrew, I mean, homebrewing, you can buy anything you want to homebrew with, but there's a lot of equipment out there for pressure, fermentation, uh, and basically keeping some of that CO2 in. So less CO2 for you then, I mean, to yep. to add back into the beer. Uh, I'm curious how that interplays. I mean, I don't have enough experience or I haven't done it, you know, to know what... Uh, that pressure fermentation end period is like in, in how you prep the beer. So, yeah. Yeah. And we, we kind of talked about this in a, an episode a while back. We talked about like the Krausening, which is a traditional German mm-hmm. technique too. And I think speaking of Ben, I think he said he tried his hand at that. And it's really tricky. Um, cause again, it's natural carbonation, but, um, pulling off some active yeast off a of current fermentation and then throwing yeah. it into new work. Yeah. So it's like creating this like hyperactive, reaction of like creating all this co2 rapidly and then it's like at that point you're yeah you're trying to you're trying to take your yeast that's already going and then reactivate it in a new beer and and get that going so that's yeah or throwing some in and and getting the pressure up in there so yeah yeah beersmith.com they talk about krausening um sounds like you know it's a really tricky uh like metric to figure out like how much wort to use for that to get the right level Mm -hmm. carbonation so again, it's kind of like probably a little bit of trial and error. I mean, you can kind of go based off of volume and, and some tried and true practices with it, but I mean, you're not going to really know until you're actively trying it and then taking little pulls off there and seeing what the carbonation level's like. But um, again, you're kind of like using the active ingredients in your beer to produce the desired carbonation and amount you're looking for. Uh, just requires a lot more patience and and acumen and brewing for sure versus just like hey let's hook it up to the co2 tank and let's uh keg these bad boys and we'll call it a day <laughs> um yeah that's the thing with croissoning and with uh you know natural carbonation bottle uh conditioning those things it's just tough to get the right amount of carbonation like when you have a co2 dial on you know a keg setup you just dial in your pressure and you say i want to serve it at 12 psi and you could just set it and forget so nice. it. Yeah, and it's like you don't have to worry about it. But with that, you're like, well, how much priming sugar should I use? What should my ratio be? Uh, how am I going to make these bottles not explode? But yeah, how am I going to you know, make sure it's carbonated enough so I don't have a flat beer in the bottle? 
Uh, and like you said, trial and error. Very interesting stuff. So it makes it tough from a commercial perspective. Yeah, certainly. It seems like more of a small batch type of move there. Yeah. You're, you know, you're kind of putting something on a limited scale. I see someone like a, a, a nano brewery succeeding with that if, if they're done, done right because then you only have maybe, you know, a six-barrel batch of, of beer and then worst case scenario it's not a good batch and then you're yeah only out six barrels versus like, not out a hundred barrels yeah <laughs> i'm sure there's actually some large-scale production breweries that that use krausening as a like a regular technique for carbonation but it's probably some like really high level oh yeah you know cicerones or and they're going repeatability german pra- brewing yeah. practice to to a tea oh yeah and they're just they're brewing that's a beer that they're brewing year-round flagship repeatability is what they want going for that propagate that yeast but yeah so hopefully uh the beer shortage stays away from your neck or beer shortage co2 shortage does not create a beer shortage hopefully not but uh yeah i think it's time we crack another beer but this time we don't know we've got a beer that's a mystery so elsie's not here like we said but she has done the honor of giving us a beer bless her heart oh no I have seen. Well, Did speak you hear of the that? nitro. Nitro. And you know what's also funny? That was not planned. Uh, I won't tell you what's on the lid of this this thing. I've seen something that's given away. Oh, <laughs> Which no. brewery makes this? I uh, wonder if it's left hand. <laughs> so Elsie uh, uses a uh, big, uh, what is this, Universal Buddy koozie to, to do it. So we don't know if it's a pint can or if it's a 12-ounce can. Uh, or a skinny can even, and that's how she hides it from us. But this beer has one telltale sign on, on the, the lid. But uh, we'll rinse our glasses out, and we'll do a, a tasting. Uh, Nick will be blind. I won't help be seeing it because I've got to pour it. But uh, <laughs> we'll go from there. I but, think I got some in the glass. Yeah, you may have a uh, a little hint since it just uh, did a little Nitro widget release there. All right, we are back. Let's see. Let's pour this beer up. Nick, if you shall close your eyes, sir. You know, we really appreciate now, more than ever, the work that goes into the LC pick. Since Lauren's not here, there it is. All right. Can I give this a smell? All right, yes, yeah. Uh, the things I've seen so far, I think, mm. are leaning me towards uh, knowing what this beer is. But let's let's hear it, Nick. Okay, some fruit, some tartness on the nose. Yeah, definitely there. Thinking it's a sour ale, fruited sour. Getting some, like, Strawberry, remember some raspberry? Raspberry maybe because yeah, it's a little more tart. Notes. For sure, berry. Mm, definitely a really pillowy mouthfeel. I've confirmed my suspicions. Yeah, oh. it's definitely berry mm. on the nose for sure. Uh, definitely was a nitro beer. Smooth, micro foamy head. Yeah, it's creamy mouthfeel. Very creamy mouthfeel. And which I think helps with like a sour beer. It A lot of times it's really crisp, carbonated beers that are like acidic and fruity and tart um can be like you know real punch in the punch in the mouth but like this creaminess from the nitro is really kind of helping to like smooth it out a little bit mellow it yeah and actually like the tartness of like the berry flavor that we're getting to is pretty nice it's uh kind of cuts some of that creaminess too so it's not just like lush sweet creamy yeah. velvetiness it's like a little bit of tart acidity to cut through there yeah. Well, and yeah, the flavor I'm getting is matching the the nose, that For raspberry. Sure. 
maybe a little bit of like st- strawberry blueberry. It could be kind it of like, kind a of like a, I do see like the strawberry flavor there. But definitely, yeah, like very sweet. Hmm. But a little malty, almost like kind of like a tart or like a pie or something, you know, like. Yeah. Almost like it has like some like graham cracker quality to it or like some pie crust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like some sweet malt, but like also at the same time, like kind of crackery. Um, Do you know what this beer is? Is it Flamingo Dreams? <laughs> it is Flamingo Dreams. That is totally <laughs> unplanned. Yeah, we did not know because we we even talked about it. But yes, that is so funny. Flamingo Dreams Nitro Berry Blonde Ale by Left Hand Brewing Company. You know that's probably the best we've ever done because we said it before we even <laughs> yeah I know right? the we guessed it before we even knew. Mm. Uh, but yeah, foresight is twenty twenty. Brewed and canned by Left Hand Brewing Company in Longmont, Longmont, Colorado. Let's see what the can says. Blonde ale with raspberries and black currants. I'd be curious mm. to just taste a black currant. I don't think I ever have. Yeah, good point. Because I think it's used a lot as an adjunct fruit for a, like a fruited sour. But I don't think I I've ever yeah. Good to go from the can like a pro in a glass. So it's encouraging. That's like, yeah, you can drink it from the you can drink it from the can, but if you want to take it to that next level, yeah, put in a gas. Super smooth and refreshing. Would you agree? I do. And interestingly, I do like a good nitro beer. I don't know if you've tried any of the nitro Pepsi's that are out right now. There's like a, a regular Pepsi and then a vanilla Pepsi. I actually have not. Um, it's interesting because I don't think the nitro appeals to me as much for a soda as it does for a beer. I feel like soda we associate with like crisp. Yeah. Really aggressive bubbly. carbonation. Yes. So I feel like it would almost be like drinking a flat Coke. It, and that's what it does come down to is like or immediately Pepsi, after you, you pour it. Yeah, Pepsi. Pepsi. Immediately after you pour it into your glass and you, know, you get to view the cascading yeah. foam, uh, that brown color kind of melting into that creamy frothy head. And then it's like, take a sip. Oh, yeah, this is kind of flat. <laughs> Well, it's, it's smooth. It does drink like a nitro. It's very smooth and Yeah, palatable, but it just but doesn't... It's just not yeah. missing something, right? Yeah, I, I want Pepsi to be like... I want it to burn. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I want to feel the pain. Oh, that's spicy. spicy. <laughs> Why is the Sprite spicy? It's so spicy. Crispy. Uh, but yeah. But a, a, a nitro beer, sign me up. Um, maybe not all the time as like a regular drinker, but like, my goodness, it's it's so pretty... It yeah, has a nice, nice gradient of color, that really creamy head, and then the mouthfeel is just like it's like a little blanket for your Yeah, aroma for days. I mean, you want some more aroma, just stir mm-hmm. it up, you get tons more pillowy head. It just hits you with that yeah. nice, beautiful smell. It's just an all around good beer. Yeah, I think left hand really knocks it out of the park with their nitros. Very fitting. I don't know if I'll see knew what was going on when she picked that maybe she paid a, played a prank on us yeah and maybe. actually i was wrong it's a berry blondale it's not a sour although i might have said earlier that it was i think a, you said berry blondale yeah i think in my assessment here before i realized it's flingo dreams i might have said it was a like a yeah. fruit sour but what, you know what's your abv a, guess uh 5.5 lower Ooh, 5.2 Lower. Five even. Lower. 
4.7% wow. ABV in 11 international bitterness units. So it drinks light. It has a light body, that smooth, creamy mouthfeel. What else do you need? You want a light beer, get this nitro from... Wow, you know what's also interesting? It tells you the calories. I have not seen a beer tell me the calories other than beers that tout their low-calorie, you know, like low-cal IPAs and things. What's the cal on this bad boy? Uh, This has servings per 12 fluid ounces, so there's 1.14 servings per can. Uh, We're talking about 150 calories per serving, so 150 times 1.14. Oh, gosh, what is that, about 170 calories? That's not bad. Did I just do math? Horribly embarrassing. Yeah, well. Oh, 171. I was off by one calorie. But yeah, 170 calories. Not bad for a pint can. Yeah, no, and we split it, so. Yeah, look at us. Locale. I'm trying to. I just lost three pounds. <laughs> I lost weight drinking this beer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it worked that way. It's negative. It's like the celery of beers. I don't know about you, but after like a long week off, like you know, you're on vacation, you're eating and drinking just whatever. It's like I, I gotta eat, I gotta get my I diet need a back. Salad. <laughs> Give me a salad. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get, you know, I'm gonna start drinking a little bit less beer. Gotta like eat healthier. Like the the first night, basically that we're back to normal. It's like, hey, let's go to the brewery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, let's go do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, at the end of the day, I think. Uh, I think I just don't count beer calories in my caloric yeah, intake. They're not real. They're it's not all real. fake. It's fake news. They just have to tell you there's calories. Yeah. They have to put it on the can, but yeah. it's... Ooh, there's really calories there. here. Ooh. I went for a run today, so I I probably am just drinking back every calorie I may have burned during yeah, that. There you go. <laughs> oh, also like your wooden fun. robot shirt, I just realized. Oh, yeah. Shout out wooden robot in Charlotte. Really cool tap room there at their, uh, their brewery. They might have multiple locations, I'm not sure, but definitely a cool spot. Really fun, quirky environment. Have you been there? No, I'm not. No. Yeah, you should go next time you're in Charlotte, check it out. Um, we definitely got to do a Charlotte trip again. Yeah, I've not really been, uh, just other than the airport. So. <laughs> yeah. You got Old Mech there, Triple C, Sycamore, Wooden Robot, uh, Hopfly is yeah. now there. Just a ton. Yeah. What is it? Divine Barrel? Divine Barrel. Everything. Just just so many. But yeah, so, well, I guess that wraps us up for episode number 39 of Secondary Fermentation Podcast presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. Nick, what did you learn today? Uh, you know, I learned, I learned that it's not, it's not as easy to just synthesize sort of a quote-unquote natural substance or gas there there is some finiteness to it is that a word yeah sure Um, there (laughs) there is an upper limit on on how much can be produced at at least in a safe capacity so it is not infinite yeah (laughs) it's not requisite (laughs) in the infinite the co2 is requisite (laughs) what did you learn today uh, I learned that we can guess Elsie's pick just by putting it into fruition in earlier in the podcast. So we just need to name more beers <laughs> earlier in, in, in every episode. <laughs> yeah. Just start ripping beer names off. It's just a 30-minute episode of just, just naming beers just that we can think naming of. naming beer. <laughs> every beer I can think of, I'm going to name it. 
Bush light. Keystone light. Molson ice. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of which, actually, when we got back, uh, Jen's dad had a, a bunch of like just domestic loggers that he got from somebody that was like moving, I think. And so we did a blind taste test with me, Jen, oh, and really? brother, Dean, and he put four glasses out and... We got to each know, I think, three of them, but not, like, where they were in the order. So we knew three of the four beers, and then it was, like, we were tasting them to try to guess which beer was which. Not as easy as it sounds. Yo, yeah, dude. I even knew three of the beers, and I still, like, only got one of them right. It's so hard because yeah. they don't taste that different. You know, they're very yeah similar, but I don't know. The only yeah. one I got right was just because of the color difference. For, for Yangling White, I knew it was more of like an amber color mm. than you know the other the other pilsners so yeah then i mixed up bud light and coors light and there was an old duels even i couldn't O'Doul's. i couldn't pick the old duels <laughs> i thought i'd be able to find the old duels easy because like, yeah. oh, it's an na beer i'll find it yeah but no oh, man. so that's well, a fun game yeah i guess i learned something else there too but yeah if you want to reach out to us hit us up on social media uh we're on instagram at east carolina beer uh, check out our website, eastcarolinabeer.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at eastbeer, on Facebook at East Carolina Beer and Brewing. And if you want to send us an email and reach out, we are at uh, eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com. Gmail. Don't forget to like our podcast, give us a five star review, and you know, write a little write a little review. Say, wow, these are some fancy boys with a fancy boy podcast. Yeah, and I'm coming up on. Almost a year here, so one year. Interesting to see the growth we've done in a year. Yeah. yeah. So I think we'll do a little celebration next episode. Sounds. Like well, and we'll see you there. We'll see, we'll, we'll see you there. I mean, not literally see you, because we don't see you. Yeah. We don't see you there. <laughs> oh hey, we didn't see you there. We'll see you there. Oh hey, didn't see you there. <laughs> Maybe next week we will see them. There. Maybe we will see you there. I'll bring the beers. I'll bring, I'll the, bring beers. the beers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.